You're listening to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience, a podcast dedicated to helping executives train their sales and marketing teams to optimize growth. Whether you're looking for techniques and strategies or tools and resources, you've come to the right place. Let's accelerate your growth in three, two, one. Welcome everyone to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. I'm your host, Carlos Noche, and I'm joined by my co-host, Lisa Schneer. Say hi, Lisa. Hey, folks. Happy to have you here today. And today we're talking about how to stop working in your business so you can work on your business. Why business owners really need to step out of their business and look at it as a machine of systems. To help us out with this topic today, we have Josh Fonger, CEO of WTS Enterprises, who's helping business owners simplify, systematize, and generate powerful growth. Welcome, Josh. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Glad to be here. All right. Before we jump into the topic of the day, I always have this fun little question to start with. Josh, what's something about you that people that don't know you necessarily other outside of work might be surprised to know about you? Yeah, I think that probably the biggest surprise since I work for a company all about productivity, efficiency, systems, is people, they just assume that I have my life perfectly together. <laughs> and they say, well, this guy must have it all together, like dialed in, like you know, with a stopwatch, every single aspect of his day. <laughs> and that's not true. As a practitioner of systems or teacher, I have a support group around me, family, amazing wife, kids, that all hold me accountable. And so I think that's probably the, the big thing is people think, oh, well, then this guy just has it all together because that's kind of the way you portray yourself as a consultant. And the truth is you're not meant to go in this road alone. And also it takes accountability. And uh, I think that's probably the one thing people don't really understand is my accountability network and my passion for doing, you're kind of really taking each thought, each action, each thing I do, realizing the, the importance of it. So as opposed to just what is portrayed out there in little sound bites online. Awesome. All right. Tell us a little bit about WTS and really how'd you get there? A little bit more about you as well. Sure. Yeah. So the company WTS is based on the book, Work the System. And that all started about 15 years ago when Sam Carpenter wrote this, this best-selling book. It's in his fourth edition now. And Sam and I got together and long story short, we found that people read the book, but they wanted some help. And that's where I came in to do the coaching and consulting and training events and workshops and all of those things over the years. And now we spend our time mainly certifying consultants in the methodology so they can work with the clients that are already in our network. And so that's what I spend my time doing. It's just, it's amazing the impact that can happen when people see their world differently. And then they go about really taking control of the systems that make it happen. So I get to get to hear all the cool stories about what happens. That's amazing. So for people who maybe have not yet read the book, which I'm ashamed to say I'm one of them, though now it's definitely on my list. When you talk about the work system method, for context for our audience, you don't have to go into all the secrets because we want them to read the book. But what are we talking about here? Give us like a high level understanding of the method. Okay, definitely. So Sam Carpenter developed this method. It's based on a true story. I won't spoil it in the book. (laughs) And it's a working man's or working woman's philosophy to actually fixing a small business. And, and we work with a lot of salespeople and employees and managers on the same thing. But it has to do with first seeing your world differently. So as opposed to 
seeing the results and seeing the chaos of your world. It's about getting outside of it, slightly elevated, looking down and seeing the separateness of the systems that build it. So the separateness of what you eat, what you drink, how you commute, the separateness of sales, maybe instead of just selling, it's made up of the first interaction, the follow-up email, every single component would make up a sale. And so it's about seeing your world as those separate systems. And then after that, we all people write a strategic objective. So directionally, where do they want to go with their, their business? We help them develop operating principles to define how they're going to operate. And then after that, we help them with the procedures. So the mechanics of what they do, what are those separate processes? And then we actually go down to documenting those processes so that the companies can scale or you know the sales organizations can scale and they can recruit more, train more, develop more, and they can have a bigger impact. And so that's really the philosophy put into, into practice. So that's really interesting because we recently recorded another podcast with a leadership coach who was talking about something similar around, think about what you're paid to do and then think about all the things that you're not paid to do and think about how you can elevate yourself out of those things or delegate some of those things in different ways. Is that what the system's mindset and productivity is about? Or am I off base there? Well, I think that's that's one thing to think about for leaders, right? Is that instead of doing the work, it's going to be way more effective, high, a much larger ROI if you develop systems and, and train others to do the work, like kind of elevating yourself positionally. It's certainly a smart way to go. And we do spend a lot of time with owners on ownership thinking. So as opposed to doing the work, being in the work, actually working the system would be to work on a, a system and then have have the system do the work when you input people into those systems. So it is a different way to, to approach work. But I would say that regardless of how high up you go, the, the food chain, you're always going to be working on and working in systems. Like I have a system with my sister, right? So she lives in Louisiana. I live in Hawaii. So we talk on the phone every other week. It's a communication system, which allows us to have a a good relationship at a distance without only eye communication. And so every other week, I give a ring, see how life's going. And I typically do that while I'm on a walk. So I get some sunshine, I get some exercise, and I connect with my sister. That would be a system. It's repeatable. It's giving me the outcome that I want. And it's built in a way that's efficient to get the maximum impact out of that half hour of time. That's amazing. So the work system method is, even though it's titled work system, it's very personal as well, it sounds like. Yeah. So I'm going to correct you real quick. It's work the system. But yeah, it applies to everything. Sleep is a system. I mean, the systems are happening. You're living in systems, right? There's very natural cause and effect relationship to the way this world is made, right? The sun rises, the sun sets. And so once you understand that, as opposed to being frustrated with the current results of your life, the current outcomes of what's currently happening to you, realize there was one, two, three, four step process that got you there, right? And so knowing that to control the results, you need to control the process. And so you have to actually look at those steps and say, okay, so I want to have more sales. What are the steps to get that? Or I want to have more fit body. What are the steps to get that? I want to have a better relationship with my spouse. What are the steps to get there? And there's going to be different components. And so what we realize that things in this world seem very complex but when you break it down into the separate components of them, it can be much simpler. And if you get really focused on what your core goals are in your life, then 
you can get much more focused on the systems. And what we find is most people are so broad, so spread out, so diluted in everything they do, they never actually take the effort and time to get focused on those systems. And so they can never really get achieve the results they want is because they're spread too many things and being reactionary. So we want people to really take control of their life and therefore mechanically build the outcomes they want. Josh, do you ever find yourself in a therapy session situation? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, definitely. I mean, I tell this to my certified consultants is that <laughs> when people come to you, they usually have some problems, right? That's, that's why they're coming to you. So don't be frustrated. Why, why this person's life is so dysfunctional? Well, that's why you're there to help them. And that's part of the fun of it. But the main thing is, I mean, even people who are top performers and have multi-million dollar companies that are growing, they still come to work with us because they want to get to the next level. They want to push even farther. They know there's more possibilities. And of course, they want the accountability. But as I mentioned in the beginning, everyone needs help. And um, it starts with humility to get there and to acknowledge that. And uh, that one piece, humility, is what's missing from most people. And that's why most people never hire any help. And that's why most companies, they just stay at a certain size and never go beyond that. Yeah, it's so true that you get caught up in the, no one can do this as well as I can, right? Yeah, when you, you're both sales trainers, right? So the people who bring you in, they are willing to look in the mirror and say, my sales team or, or myself, we don't have it all together. We really could use some help. It would be great to get some help. And so they're, they're willing to bring in help because they, they know that they're, they're not amazing at everything and no one is. And I think that that's an important step towards bringing on a consultant or a coach, which is you know what we do. I love that. And so when you're working with business owners, what do you tell them to be, like, how do you make this measurable? And what kind of outcomes do you tell them to expect? It's a great question. We try to focus on measurements down the road. That's one of our systems, measurement systems. And then it's really detailed. You know, it's by department, it's by person, it's organizationally. And so a lot of things you should measure as you're tweaking your systems. But in the beginning, it's really three things. It's your stress, it's your time, and it's your personal income. And so we'll tell people that we work with, figure out what that is right now. Like, let's go from one to 10, but what's your stress level? What's your income? And then how much are you working? And we, we typically work with people who are overworked. And then we say, as you continue to work with us and put these systems into place and follow them, your stress level is going to go down first. That's kind of the easiest thing. Because once you have control over your life and you have a plan, the stress drops. And then we say, next, your time. So depending on how many hours a week you're working, you might be working way too much. And then that goes down second. And then the income starts to go up gradually and then exponentially. And so that's the way typically a typical pattern uh, happens with a transformation. So Josh, thinking about this, when you say systems can be anything, right? Conversations with family, sleep. So for business owners, if you had to give them, hey, these are the three main systems or however many you want to define that you should be looking at really improving or getting control over or being aware of, do you have anything like that? Like, hey, where, where do we start? Yeah. It, well, instead of starting with big ones, I, also, I usually start with the owners on their personal life. So I know that if they keep track of every single thing they do from the moment they wake up to the moment they go to bed for a couple of days and look at those separate repeatable things, they realize that they're way less productive than they thought they were. And so I try to either automate, delegate, delete, tweak, modify their own personal capacity 
first to free up time because if the owner has a couple more hours a day, that's going to be the biggest impact for the, the business because then they can actually be a leader and they can start to coach and lead their team as opposed to being stuck in the day-to-day. That'd be the first thing. The second strategy we do when we work with companies is to say, what is your biggest problem? So biggest pain point. So maybe it is sales growth, or maybe it is who knows what. It could be their their technology, it could be their tool set, it could be recruiting, it could be their employees, whatever it is. We tackle that with a systems approach to figure out what are the systems that got you there, and then how do we modify those to make it better. And then lastly, it would be a comprehensive approach, which is, hey, down to how do you make coffee, to how do you lock the doors, to how do you set the security alarm, to every single thing. Let's get it all on paper. Maybe it's 200 or 300 things. And then let's just work through it one at a time. It's like bricks on a wall. Not, not, most of these systems you build are not going to change your world, but it's going to be the accumulation of them over time. That's going to make you more resilient, more scalable. It's going to set you apart from your competition. And ultimately, it's going to provide you an avenue of freedom, whether that's time or money. And then you can parlay that into more business or a different enterprise, more time with your family, you name it. But it does take the accumulation of those over time to get there. And I think a lot of people, they think, well, maybe it'll just be a quick thing where I just do it for a few weeks, get these things documented. Now I'm good. And we prefer to push them towards a philosophy of working and a long-term approach so that they will they're definitely going to get there. Whether they go there at 60 miles an hour or 30 miles an hour, they're going to get there, but they're building something to last that's resilient. So Sam Carpenter, the author of the book, he still owns the same business that he wrote about in the book. And it's gotten bigger every year. It's gotten more profitable every year. He doesn't work at all in there, maybe two hours a month because he likes it. And it's because of the systems he built, which has allowed him to kind of stay ahead of the competition. So Josh, it sounds like some of these kind of come down to these systems that help with time management. And I know that isn't what, it's not just what you're saying, but one thing that we see, whether it's business owners like Lisa and I, or they're individual contributors, or they're a regional VP of a, a segment of the business. Everyone I talk to everywhere around the world is really struggling with time management. And this virtual world that a lot of us got thrusted into didn't help that. Any advice there when you think about systems that kind of help that? Because it's to me, it's not about creating a longer list and doing it faster. For me, I've kind of had to learn, and I don't know if it's right or wrong, Josh. So you can you can help me out here, but it's not getting everything done. It's getting the th- can you define the three things you have to get done and let go of the things that you're not going to get to, like letting go and saying, "Hey, I'm not going to do that. I'm, I just don't have the time to do it." But which is that item and which is the one that's a must-have? That's a struggle. Any advice? Yeah, well, we could talk for a few hours about that one. I think that the core things that I, couple things that I try to recommend that people don't always think about is their energy level throughout the day. So being aware of their biological prime time and making sure the most difficult things they're going to be doing are aligned during those time segments. So that's one thing I always make sure people are aware of. And then making sure that these are all very simple things, blocking out specific time each week to do the things that are going to drive the business forward that you totally block out. So for us, it's about building up the systems of the business. So we make sure at least four hours a week are totally blocked out, uninterrupted for business building, building an infrastructure for growth. And I think a lot of people, they just spend their time reactionary. And so they don't get anywhere over the years 
And then the the last thing is if you do that tedious exercise I mentioned earlier about looking at everything you do during the day, you're going to find there are you're dying by 100 paper cuts a day. It's the checking the email 25 times a day. It's the checking the social media. It's the watching the video. It's this entertainment. It's this interruption. It's all of those things throughout the day that are really killing your productivity. And so that's another thing, you know, a simple tip that my wife and I have been discussing over the last few weeks is we just did a, uh, we call it like an email fast. So basically every single thing that we're subscribed to, everything is unsubscribed to. So we've unsubscribed from everything. And so because of that, of course, you can always resubscribe a few months later if you really need to subscribe to something, but it really clears up your headspace and uh, gives you way more time for reflection and strategy. And you get about, I don't know, 70 less emails a day uh, that are each taking a bit of your energy, a bit of your focus, and distracting you a little bit off of the course you want to set for yourself. I like that. All right. I might steal that one. Mm-hmm. I did peak. And one of the things it talks about is yo-yo businesses. What is that? A yo-yo business is a business that that grows and gets to maybe the top of where the owner and their small team can hit with no systems documented at all, no training, no infrastructure. And so they're all working hard. There's lots of fires, lots of excitement, very intense, and they kind of hit a peak. And then the owner gets sick, goes on vacation, needs to take some time off, maybe key employee leaves, and then it starts to go down. And then it goes down for maybe a few months. And then the owner is like, well, I got to make some sales. Numbers are lower. Let's get some activity going. And then it goes back up. Then everyone gets super, super busy again, but they're maxed out. So no one's making sales. They're just trying to do the sales. And then those accounts end. Something else breaks in the business, goes back down, goes back up. And this pattern can go on for decades because you've kind of hit this uh, glass ceiling, the ceiling that Hey, if you don't get your company organized and you don't have a clear strategy, it's just never going to get beyond this mark. And so for some industries, that's $300,000 a year. Some industries, that's $800,000 a year. Wherever that marker is, you just stay there. And you wonder why you're just kind of floating around this particular area. And it's because you've never actually taken the time to build the infrastructure to go to that proverbial next level. And uh, so we, that's the kind of companies that we work with is we let them know, are you ready to invest and actually get above that? Or are you comfortable just doing the yo-yo, looking for the next quick hit, looking for the next big sale, looking for the next bank loan, whatever it might be, but you're not really going anywhere. You're just surviving. And I mean, as you know, most that's most companies. Is there an example that you could share with us of someone that kind of broke out of that yo-yo cycle and can achieve some success? Yeah, yeah, sure. Or a higher level of success, I guess I should say. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, we've got a, a lot of case studies and stories uh, at our website, wtsenterprises.com. But the one that kind of pops up right now is, is a real estate development company that I was working with uh, years ago. And he said the reason why they came to us is because this was their life, right? They had five employees. They were developing some houses. They were managing some houses. They were looking for new deals. They were just kind of going in circles. And after five years of doing that, they said, we should like actually grow up and make this into a real company, (laughs) right? Even though they're in their 40s. And so once they finally shifted that mindset, then they had a strategy for doing that. Once they had a strategy, of course, they, long story short, now they have 45 employees, right? And so I had them on the podcast, my podcast recently. And so I think that's the shift is that if you didn't have the mindset shift, then you wouldn't have made the investment shift because to do what we do, 
does take some time. It does take some money. It does take some focus. And you got to stay consistent for a while. And some people, they aren't ready to do that yet. But once they are, then they can really, I mean, I've had companies that grow from zero, zero dollars in revenues to six figures a month within six months because they just had this mindset from day one. They said, I'm going to build this business and build it on systems. And they got there really fast. Whereas other people in the same industry, they're still just surviving because they didn't have the right strategy in place to begin with. So it sounds like, so even if a business owner or individual takes a look, redefines your systems, sticks to it, it sounds like it's going to be a continual change though. Like when do they realize like, hey, the systems that I did with Josh last year were great, but hey, there's some new market changes and I got to adapt again. Yeah, well, that's part of our philosophy is you're always working on and you're always working in your systems, right? And so Centratel, which is what the book is about, they're still working on their systems. And we, with all of our training, we always end it with maintenance systems module, which is all about how to make sure you maintain your system. Because you're right, competition changes, regulation changes, technology changes, things slowly go obsolete or atrophy because people stop following as closely as they used to. And so you have to build this in as part of the, the, the maintenance plan. You can't go run a marathon and say, okay, now I'm in shape and then not do anything for six months. You got to <laughs> keep doing the jogging afterwards, right? Speaking from experience, like, oh, that was me after I did mine. I'm never running again. And so what do you know? <laughs> like you're not very healthy six months later. And so that's what you want to do is just build this in as part of the, part of the culture. All right. I'm going to throw you maybe a little bit of a curveball because I'm curious and Perhaps you're working with a maturity of business owner that this doesn't come up, but have you ever come across a business owner who really is not a good one? Like what they're doing with their business, they're not a good fit for the role that they're in. And how have you handled that? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, a lot of people become entrepreneurs because they have to, right? They got to make some money. Somebody died in the family. You know, who knows why? There's a lot of reasons that the company was passed down to them through a relative. There are some odd circumstances that that can happen. So if the company is just really not going to work, I tell people just sell off the company or just kill the company. Like it's just this is not going to ever work. And better to better to have someone help you do that than to waste five years. That happens sometimes, but most of the time, what happens is they have a lot of the attributes, but not all of them, right? And so I let them know you're going to need to bring someone else in who has these skills, has these attributes, fills these holes for you. Are you going to really struggle because this doesn't seem to be you? Like, this is not what you're good at. It's not what you like to do. And unless you're going to have a dramatic change, you're going to stay stuck in these areas. And so that's pretty normal, right? You're not going to, like, you can't be the company. The company is defined over here. And then you need to figure out what it's going to take personnel-wise to build, make that vision a reality. And so I try to make people understand that the company is not them. And so if they don't have the ability to be creative, a creative problem solver and to sell and to be innovative, which are important as entrepreneurs, then they maybe need to find someone who is those things to partner with them. Whereas, so they can just stay maybe doing more of the work or doing more of the operations. Yeah. And the common thing is everyone needs help, but most people I work with are a good fit. They just have a few blind spots. That's great. Yeah. I just, I pulled that from kind of a little bit of my own experience working with founder CEOs. So in, you think software startup, you're the founder, but you're actually like a product-led person and you're thrust into the position of a CEO and that's not your strong point. Like having difficult conversations 
and things that have to come with that role are not really your strength. So I love what you just said about like, it's not that you're the wrong fit for a business. You're just, you're just not, you've got gaps and you need to fill those gaps with other people. And and then it becomes, I don't know, like I'll let, you're the expert here, but I think it becomes finding those people that you trust enough to bring in to fill those gaps without feeling like you're losing control of your business, right? Definitely. Well, founders, they want to have control and we try to teach them the way you get control is by writing a strategic objective. So clearly defining what this company is all about and then having operating principles, which define the way decisions get made within this business and and through procedures. And so if you have control and oversight and review over the core elements of the company, then you do have control, but you don't have to be the one doing the work, right? You can control the sales process without being on the telephone. Right. And so that's what we want them to know. And control is not a bad thing. It's better than being out of control, but we want to make sure that control is put in a place that's scalable, which is through documentation and put in a place that can be used for accountability and training. And then also you can have more people provide input. So when the control is purely by a single leader who was leading maybe emotionally or instinctively, then no one really knows what's going to happen next and there's really no consistency. So it's difficult to build for the future and it's difficult to scale because it's a single source. When you get that stuff down into documented systems, then it's in a source that is scalable. It doesn't fluctuate like a person does and therefore people can build a future and feel stable that their their, their family and their career is going to be on a good trajectory that they agree with. Yeah, yeah, so true. It's something that, it's funny, I previous life, like at different corporations I worked for, I used to create, and this is a little bit morbid, but like the, if Lisa got hit by a bus document, (laughs) because I always thought like, I shouldn't be the source of truth on things that other people cannot repeat ever. So I would always create a document that was like, here's everything that I've done. Here's all the different logins and whatever else I was responsible for. So that if there was a situation, whatever that situation might be, someone could easily step in and continue to run the business. And I always took that on as a responsibility of of being a good employee of the business, but also just giving myself the peace of mind that if something happened, I'm not getting calls (laughs) trying to figure out how they can continue to run their business. Yeah, well, you're rare. That's pretty rare. Most, almost no one does that. (laughs) But but we do, that's that's one of our phrases. What if someone gets, gets hit by bus? And we have had clients where, not that particular episode, but people have died. More likely though, is they just left abruptly for family reasons or health reasons or a new baby or something happened and they just they just left all of a sudden. And then the owner was like, wow, we really had no idea what they did. So that's always a good reason to get these things done as well is, is the kind of the insurance policy, the what if. And uh, if you have a big enough company and you stay in business long enough, those things always happen. Yeah, exactly. Got to have the fail safes in place. I love that, Josh. So let's change direction just a little bit. There's a couple of questions we always ask every guest who comes on the podcast. And one of which is the fact that you are a business leader. So you are a target for salespeople, right? And you often get prospected to by people who have no relationship to you, no referral into you. When they do that well, what is it that they do that builds enough credibility for you to potentially respond? Well, I respond so rarely, (laughs) but but I think that timing matters. So I think for anyone who's in sales, they need to realize that that's most of the battle. At least that's what I see. So a message that I receive 
today or last year, over the last 10 years, might be totally irrelevant to me, but it might be relevant to me tomorrow. So timing's a big part of it. So that, and then I like to have solutions that fit my needs. So if someone says you should buy this product, I'm not so interested, but if someone says you seem to have, you might have an issue or an opportunity with this particular situation, let's just say it has to do with a website update or graphics or something, who knows what. And then I'm like, you know, I really do have an issue with that right now. And they don't try to sell me something, but they say, we should talk about that because we specialize in helping people with that problem. We should talk to see if we have a solution. Then I'd be happy to say, okay, are they specialists? That their web presence proves it. Yes, I have this problem. Okay, I want to actually have a conversation with this person about, because th- this is what they know. This is what they're good at. Have a conversation about what a solution could look like, right? So I would much prefer a consultative sale, which means I might work for them, but if I don't, I at least know somebody that I can refer others to because I have a, a large network. And so that's my preference. Now, beyond that, my preference is a referral, somebody I, I know. I yeah, always prefer to go through referrals. But if it's not the referrals, then that's that would be the way, is that it's not a, here's this product you need it. It's, well, let's just see what your situation is. And let me give you some advice in your situation. And then maybe my product works. Maybe my product doesn't work. That's an approach that I prefer. Excellent, Josh. All right. Last big question. Acceleration Insights, that's what we call it. What might be that one thing you'd love to share with our listeners, that piece of advice that could help someone in the audience achieve their own goals and targets? Chief advice. I would say that you need help. (laughs) So you need help. Realize you need help. All right. (laughs) That would be the main thing. And it's kind of ironic. I didn't become a consultant on purpose. I actually wrote my MBA thesis paper about why you should not hire a consultant, right? So I definitely <laughs> was not trying to do this. This is like part of God's plan for me. I really believe that. And so through a whole host of circumstances, this is what I ended up doing, right, for my career. But I think that's the main thing is that uh, don't go it alone. And the second thing, which is, I think is also essential, is that you're probably doing way more things than you need to do. And so make sure you have people in your life who are going to hold you accountable to trimming and cutting away all the stuff that you do that you think you need to do that you really don't. So for instance, I used to have another 200 books behind me on this bookshelf. And it's realized that I was clouding my head with so many things and ideas. And really my problem was not more ideas. It was just executing on the right things that I already knew how to do. And so that's where the help and the accountability come in is most people already know what to do. They've heard it a hundred different ways. They just need to forget about the 95% of stuff that they don't need to do and have the accountability to get that stuff done. And I think that's, maybe that goes against people listening to podcasts, but really you probably already know what to do. You don't need, it's like a, and listening to content, reading content is often an escape from doing the work that actually has to be done. And uh, so, sorry to, I mean, I got a podcast too, so I'm not (laughs) saying podcasts are bad, but I'm just saying that I'm guilty of this myself. So listening to, watching, reading things is an escape from your current reality, oftentimes, as opposed to just doing the work that you know you should be doing. And so if you want to save some time, learn less and uh, do more. <laughs> well, I love what you said earlier about, because I am I podcast while I walk or bike or exercise. Like that's my learn time. And so it's kind of like the double up with the health and fitness kind of thing. 
So maybe that's the better way to put it is like double it up with something where you're definitely you're bettering yourself, but you're also you're doing other work you need to do. It's not on your business, but it's on yourself because, yeah, I love to podcast while I walk around the block or go for a bike ride. So thank you so much for that, Josh. So I know that there's a book, a free book summary. That's the Work the System book, The Simple Mechanics of Making More and Working Less. You've got that on a website, correct? We'll put it in the comments on the podcast, but I just wanted to double check with you. Yeah, right now, the free book summary is still available. WTSenterprises.com slash book dash summary. So you can go there or you can go to WTSenterprises.com, which is my website. And uh, yeah, so Sam Carpenter really, he wants to get this book into as many millions of people's hands as possible. It's in a bunch of languages. So we'd be happy to, thrilled to have you check out the summary. Hopefully that gives you the impact you need. And if you need some help beyond that, then I'm always here. And on that point, Josh, what is your preferred method of communication if people wanted to continue on some of the topics we talked about today? Yeah, well, I would just go to WTSenterprises.com. There are (laughs) tons of services. Schedule a phone call with me. We do have discovery call options on that page for people who either want to do what I do, be a consultant and actually get certified, or if they want to get help with their business, We have uh, resources there as well. Fantastic. Thank you so much for your time and energy today, Josh. We know how valuable it is. It's been great having you on the show. It's been fun being here. Thanks. Amazing. So, all right, everybody, that does it for this episode. Please check us out at www.b2brevexec.com. Share the episode with your friends, your family, your kids, your coworkers, your dog. And if you like it and they like it, ask them to please throw us a five star review on iTunes. We would very much appreciate it. I'm Lisa Schneer, along with my co host, Carlos Noche. We wish you nothing but the greatest success. You've been listening to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show on iTunes or your favorite podcast player. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.